Hi, everyone. Welcome to the roundtable brand protection through user safety. It is quite a thorny yet topical issue to unpack. So I invited the four leaders in the space from different perspectives on the same topic. I'm super excited and curious to hear what they can conquer on or what they can differ on. So let's start with introductions. So Amit, do you want to go first? Sure, and uh, thank you for having me here. Uh, I'm Amit Shetty. Uh, I'm with the uh, IB Tech Lab. Uh, I lead our uh, programmatic anti-fraud and brand safety efforts at the Tech Lab. Uh, and just as a quick context for those who are not aware, uh, the Tech Lab is an industry org with a global member base that's focused on building the tech standards that the ad tech industry is uh, built is built on. So if you heard of uh, things like OpenRTB, VAST, VPay, Open Measurement, the whole gamut of uh, uh, abbreviations, ad tech abbreviations, we are uh, uh, responsible for uh, a lot of those. Uh, and basically we enable various companies to talk to each other and you know, build out some tools, uh, open source initiatives and things like that. Uh, in particular, I lead the working group uh, around uh, uh, transparency and uh, uh, brand safety and uh, ad fraud uh, and build, uh, build some tools around that as well. So um, that's, uh, that's about me. And uh, I'm also eager to listen, uh, you know, to kind of learn more about the state of the industry and uh, solutions that have been deployed by other companies uh, in the space as well. Thank you, Ahmed. So Ahmed represents the perspective of an industry association. So goes, uh, we have next Angela from Dentsu, the agency perspective. Thank you for having me. Angela Johnson here from Dentsu International. And as client development officer for Dentsu in the Americas, I'm working and partnering with many, many clients. We actually work across the globe with 95 of the top 100 marketing organizations. So what clients are focused on right now is the fact that consumers are demanding that brands and companies act responsibly, inclusively, sustainably. And as joint custodians of brands, that's how we as agencies like to think of ourselves as the joint custodians of the brands, um, we need to help brands understand and connect with their purpose and values in the areas of safety and responsibility. Because as a brand, if you know what you believe, you know how to behave. And agencies can help clients articulate what they believe and then help with those behaviors that live up to that. Because there are higher and higher expectations on brands today than ever before. Um, and one, just give you one example of what Dentsu was doing very recently. We requested every media partner we work with across the year, from the big guys like NBCU, right through to the little guys, to complete our audit. And we said, in four areas, how do you stack up organizational accountability, representative programming, editorial responsibility, and pertinent to today, brand safety and suitability. So I'm really excited to be here with David from Lego. I mean, looking at his, his target audience, his consumers, kids, the most vulnerable out there. Really looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. And, and Amit as well, you know, the, the stuff that you're um, pushing out from Tech Lab is, is changing the industry. So thanks for having me. Thank you, uh, David. So you next representative of a brand, Lego. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for the introduction already, Angela. Um, so I'm David Hall. I work um, as part of the global brand development team at the Lego Group. And one of the areas that um, falls under our responsibility is making sure that the brand shows up in a responsible and inclusive way online. And just sort of picking up already on something that um, Angela has just mentioned, um, within the, the Lego group, we really do try and live this sort of um, 
these values and, and really stand behind what we believe is how we behave, especially in the online space. And the perspective that we generally come at is um, the Lego Group has been around and been become one of the most trusted brands in the world over the last 80 years in the offline space. What we're now doing is making sure that we're one of the most trusted brands also in the online space for obvious reasons, um, you know, being very focused on responsible engagement for children. Um, and I think, you know, what I'm excited about learning from the others here is um, you always learn a huge amount from these sort of discussions, um, whether it's sort of some of the latest, greatest things that other brands are doing or just slightly different perspectives on something that you're wrestling with yourself. Thank you, David. We cannot talk about brand safety without talking about user safety on the platforms. So we have the CEO of the Me Group, Jeff. Yeah. Hey. Thanks for thanks for having me. The, the Me Group. Um, we we built a dating portfolio. It's a company I started back in uh, 2005. I've been doing it for for some time. Recently sold it for 500 million in September 20 um, for um, to 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 Procebin, a, a large uh, German media company. Continue to run it as the CEO. Uh, we built a, a pretty significant live streaming video business, um, kind of at the intersection of of uh, social and dating, I would say. And uh, we've thought you know pretty deeply about safety. We work with a lot of different technologies on the safety side. Um, to serve you know tens of millions of monthly users, and I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Jeff. And I'm Tiffany Xingyu. I'm a GM and a co-founder of Oasis Consortium, which is a nonprofit organization which builds both awareness as well as actionable standards for brand and user safety. So very glad to host this panel. So the first question for this panel is about the risks. So let's dis let's discuss about what are the major risks that you've seen of online toxicity to brands and to platforms. Angela, do you want to take on this one first? Sure. And let's start at the most macro level. I mean, the risks that currently face advertising and brands are actually risks that are faced. You know, we currently face in society, and we saw that. You know, January the second here in the U.S. from where I'm speaking. You know, because misinformation is going to reduce trust with consumers and so we have to solve for misinformation it can actually destabilize the fabric of our society and that means that's very very bad for business so starting with macro and then looking at the you know the amount of technology and the advancement that's coming and the risks um i think we'll all agree are going to grow exponentially with the onset of 5g and the quantum computing that's going to come through so our ability to monitor um, the, what consumers are doing, what, how to capture the data and process that data is going to continue to explode. And if we don't address the issues that are facing us now, take one, for example, algorithmic bias, we are going to be left in a really highly prejudiced, prejudiced uh, world that's not the inclusive web that I think we would all wish to see. And so um, we, we've got to be careful that we don't end up perpetuating the divisions that we're seeing right now. So I think that's a really sort of key, key risk there coming in. And I think then when you add to that, the fact that attention generally is becoming scarce, um, that's having such a detrimental impact on our health. We talk about physical well-being, we talk about mental well-being, but also let's talk about digital well-being. And after a year of a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of interaction through screens, I think we're starting to become very aware of that. And, you know, apps that are 
developed to keep people on their platforms rather than providing them with a valuable experience, taking account of their mental and their digital well-being. It's something that we've got to you know, really focus on. I think the risks for adults and particularly for kids, as David's well aware, is, is, is the risks are at an all-time high. And I can see technology pushing that further. So I think that you know, companies um, stand to lose a lot um, if they don't take brand safety issues to heart right now. Um, advertising might not be you know, a, a company's core business, but it has to become a core area of concern. Um, you know, with, with, we've seen some surveys coming through now where the Edelman Trust Survey, for example, uh, 45% of consumers saying that, you know, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to regain the trust if the company did something that uh, displayed unethical behaviour. So, you know, trust is gained over many, many years and many interactions with consumers and it can be lost in an instant. So I think the risks are huge. Thank you. Um, it's very true that, you know, with the advancement of technology, we have seen back actor, actors benefit from the technology advancement, sometimes even more than the good actors. Really, you know, the malicious causes are uh, really scaled uh, through technologies. Um, I wonder, Jeff, what you have seen, you know, uh, on the platform side is a, is a technologist um, in the space. As the previous speaker said, it, it, it's a minefield. Um, you know, I think tech and, and network enabled products have all the you know flaws of humanity and also all the promise and you know if you're if you're in the business you see uh more than 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 a few flaws <laughs> from uh, misogyny hate speech racism spammers scammers um, if people connect in in real life it could be violence um and at the same time the promise is is equally great uh, people find love they find spouses, they find friends, they find meaningful connections, um, and uh, they find entertainment, they find kind of edification. And so, um, you know, I think we, we, we look at a, a, a landscape of, of, and we see just uh, minefields, uh, it, it's a minefield and navigating it is, is difficult and, and it takes, you know, partnerships uh, with an industry and with other players um, to really navigate it successfully. Thank you, Jeff. I definitely want to circulate back uh, to you uh, later on on the tremendous uh, work you've done, you know, really to address the issue. Um, David, from legal perspective, as we have seen the rise of online toxicity, and as you mentioned, you take offline business to online. So what is your perspective from brands um, on this rise of online toxicity uh, to the brand of Lego? Yeah, well, it's... Um obviously something that we're continuously monitoring and always sort of very uh, reflective about and i think the approach that we take is very much a precautionary one um you know if i reflect back on some of the comments that, that jeff and angela have already made one of the things when you're thinking about risks online is that for sure you can plan for a whole bunch of risks but it's the ones that you haven't necessarily planned for that come in from the side are the ones that are going to really create the the challenge for the brand and that's why sort of at the lego group we do take this very sort of precautionary um very safety first approach um and, and the way that we would be looking at um any of our sort of digital activities is from a, a number of different perspectives i think something just picking up on what jeff was saying um we've got to always remember that um, online engagement and digital engagement, especially for children, is a massive opportunity. 
Um, and it's something that as a brand, we want to be sort of nurturing and, and uh, building upon. Um, but at the same time, we have to be doing this in this responsible way. So for us, when we look at some of the risks, anything that has child safety, any kind of remote risk on child safety would, would sort of mean that we wouldn't be engaging in that particular opportunity. Um, when it comes to sort of brand safety and commercial uh, opportunity and our ability to, to sort of engage children in a way that is really, really meaningful, from the brand perspective, we can be a little less um, uh, restrictive, but you know, it's that child safety thing that is the thing that keeps me up at night. And and just to, just to add to what uh, uh, the others have been talking about, I think the uh, the real the biggest challenge uh, in in the current world uh, around risk is the scale, right? The I mean, uh, uh, in the past, you're, you're, uh, especially when you're talking about non digital media. The, 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 there was risk of uh, you know showing up in uh, along alongside content that you're not comfortable with, but it is a little more easier to predict and mitigate, uh, uh, and uh, 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 the chance of landing in the wrong place were a little lower. With, dig with digital media, you are talking about a huge scale and trying to figure out okay, is this particular piece of content uh, that you have you know maybe uh, programmatically been bidding on uh, and at real time, uh, uh, is that something that's safe for you or not? Is 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 a very complex and uh, difficult uh, challenge to uh, uh, cover. But uh, the, the the one thing that I did want to uh, uh, bring up was uh, uh, some work that we've been doing along with uh, uh, the uh, the with GARM, the Global Alliance for Responsible Media, where they uh, uh, they define a set of uh, categories of content that they consider the, the, the floor, which is basically start things that really should not be uh, uh, even uh, on uh, on any publisher side, but uh, ideally, uh, for if, even if it is on a publisher side, probably should not monetize that. Uh, but in addition to that, they also define a set of uh, uh, risk profiles, right? So they have the low, medium, and high uh, risk profiles for, uh, for these categories where uh, depending on the uh, uh, the brand's risk tolerance, they can choose to show up on certain uh, kinds of uh, uh, content, right? So, uh, just as a random example, uh, uh, arms and ammunition is one of the uh, floor categories where you really uh, are saying that okay, yes, uh, <clears throat> the sale of illegal arms and all that, promoting that is something that uh, uh, is not something that uh, you should be uh, monetizing at a minimum. Uh, uh, <clears throat> but then. That particular content could be uh, uh, maybe a little, uh, you know, dramatization for a movie, for example, or uh, uh, an educational uh, uh, article. And different uh, brands may have uh, the, the risk tolerance to be able to, uh, uh, you know, show up on those uh, locations as well. So risk is uh, something that is a bit more nuanced, I think, uh, uh, at this point. Yeah, I love it. It's not one size fits all. Uh, if you really want to solve the, the the problem, you have to really understand, uh, you know, where you stand um, is your um, is your risk profile as of today. So, so that's a great segue to talk about the solution. As to now we know and we talk about the risks. So, how about the safety technologies and the measures that you have seen or have adopted or have created? So, uh, given that um, Jeff um, mentioned. Um, you know, on the me group, um, you, you know, the, the, the rise of the challenge that he has seen. And I'm aware that um, the me group has done, you know, tremendous work in adopting safety tech 
um, and measures to really create um, a kinder and a safer and more engaging uh, environment. So, Jeff, do you wanna do you wanna address this question? What are the tags and measures you have adopted for the Meet Group platforms? Sure. So, um, you know, just setting the stage. So, so we we have um, you know many more more than one hundred fifty thousand uh, live video broadcasters on any given day. Um, millions of other users, at least a million viewers of those streams, um, lots of people uh, meeting and chatting, tens of millions of chats. So it's a, it's a large quantity of content. And our approach is, you know, a clear uh, rules-based, um, you know, approach where with a very clear plain English code of conduct, we make you um, uh, agree uh, and acknowledge that code of conduct prior to um, every, um, Every every stream, um, and then we devote a significant portion of our uh, workforce, uh, about 500 people. Actually, the majority of, of our workforce is devoted to uh, moderation of uh, this content. And to uh, improve our capability with moderation, we leverage artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, in order to, to to find and identify this content quickly and proactively. Um, before um, bef before you just see it. Um, and we leverage um, different technologies um, in the marketplace. It, it's, it's quite clear that we cannot um, be, uh, you know, uh, the creator of every AI. Uh, we leverage technologies like Spectrum, uh, which uh, helps us with uh, username moderation to keep it um, from being problematic, uh, as well as stream description moderation. Um, shortly uh, comments moderation for our many tens of millions of comments. And so um, that's actually a hard problem. It's one that's not easily solved by resorting to a blacklist. We, we had ten, tens of thousands of words on a blacklist, but you have to do it in 15 languages. And um, it, you know, people, of course, users are good at getting around um, problems like, like that through different character sets. And so it, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that, that really needs um, a clear um, solution, and, and that's that's one that we've used. We've, we use a technology called FaceTech um, to help us um, identify that a user um, is not a bot through a scan, essentially a, like opening your iPhone, uh, kind of a scan of your your face. Uh, we work with um, we've worked with Microsoft recently to build anti-grooming tech for their Project Artemis, and then we leverage what tools are available to us from device platforms like iOS and Android. Um, you know, Apple has something called device check, um, which is useful for keeping a particular device off of uh, that, that you might know to be a, a bad doer for, for one reason or another um, off of the platform. So we, we, we kind of view it as um, uh, yeah, a kind of holistic approach. It, it, it requires some owned and operated home built tools and uh, wherever we can, we leverage third party technologies. As an industry org, obviously, we, we don't uh, necessarily build uh, the actual uh, uh, tech itself. Uh, but but then, but then I have seen a number of uh, 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 technologies uh, deployed. Uh, I think the most uh, uh, common one and also probably the, the one that uh, is uh, – it has been questioned most more, uh, a lot recently is the keyword block keyword blocking, uh, which where you basically have a number of uh, keywords uh, that you want to block uh, um, for a, a variety of reasons. 
because it uh, uh, because you believe that it indicates a negative content that you really don't want to be uh, showing up on. Uh, it, it does have uh, a, a lot. Of, it does have its uh, uh, positives, but the thing to keep keep in mind with that is that you might be blocking a lot of content that you don't really uh, want to block, right? So, uh, uh, as, as an example, uh, uh, recently with the COVID, uh, a lot of people had COVID as a, as a uh, 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 as as one of the keywords they were blocking on. The danger with that, obviously, is that you now lose a lot of uh, content that you really could be on, right? Not all COVID-related content is negative. And so uh, <clears throat> you really should be uh, able to, uh, you really should be a little more uh, uh, thoughtful around that. And the other thing I've heard about that is how uh, a lot of uh, uh, key, uh, keyword lists are uh, stale and uh, you know, old and long. That's the other thing to be careful about. So that that I think is a very commonly used uh, tech, but something to be uh, used a little wisely, I think, is uh, is very important. Uh, the other uh, thing that I've seen, uh, definitely have been hearing a lot about and I'm very hopeful about is, uh, uh, is basically uh, uh, the sentiment analysis tools, right? So basically being able to look at a piece of content and analyze it uh, uh, using machine learning and uh, uh, a variety of other texts to uh, uh, get a better handle on uh, on the sentiment uh, around is it a positive one is it a negative one and, and based off that now obviously uh, uh, how to be careful about how much uh, uh, how how good that tech is as well but uh, it is definitely something that uh, I've been hearing a lot about uh, from a tech lab point of view though uh, what we are focusing on is uh, something slightly uh, 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 we're trying to step back and Kind of enable right we are all about the building blocks so we are all about uh, the communication thing so uh, uh, the uh, the garm framework that i mentioned is actually one of the key uh, areas that we are looking at uh, uh, and the, the the nice thing about the garm framework is that it, ha it is a very clear set of categorizations that uh, uh, that are uh, that are marked as uh, uh, areas to be careful about and the rationale behind each of those plus the detail around uh, the nuance around uh, medium uh, low medium and high risk tolerance so uh, what we've done in the uh, in the con in the tech lab uh, content taxonomy which is used to describe content we've added those uh, 11 categories and the three risk uh, profiles uh, the four risk profiles so that uh, uh, that any piece of content can be described along with that right so you see a piece of content and uh, uh, whether it's a publisher uh, themselves tagging it or a brand safety vendor tagging it, now there is a common language that can be used uh, that everybody agrees on, that everybody can uh, understand. Okay, if I hear it from this uh, uh, entity versus this entity, at least they are trying to speak the same language. So that's that's one key part of it. The other part, which uh, uh, which which I uh, um, the, the, uh, which we are we have been focusing on, is actually uh, around uh, uh, the channel itself, right? So. Uh, on the, the the one the one part of uh, brand safety is around the content uh, and uh, analyzing the content and being able to describe it. The other part is uh, having a good understanding of who you are working with and uh, with the idea of, of making sure that you are working with the entities that you are uh, uh, comfortable with. So we have uh, standards like uh, ads.txt, which uh, allows publishers to uh, indicate who their authorized sellers are, uh, and also uh, sellers.json and supply chain object, which helps uh, clearly identify who the entities involved in a transaction are. So uh, the, these these transparency tools, uh, these transparency standards are something that we believe are, are going to be important to really kind of understand uh, who you're working with, where you where your impression, where your ad is showing up, and so on, which is uh, which is a big part of uh, brand safety. Thank you, Amit, and. Um... 
and Jeff, I really like the point on the scale and the sheer volume we're dealing with today. So, you know, keeping humans in the loop is important. Using technology becomes a necessity. And Amit, really thank you for bringing um, on the block list um, technology which uh, doesn't suffice to solve the problem. I think uh, it's, it's, it's no better than you flip a coin of 50% probability um, from, you know, false positive, false negative perspective. I think Jeff mentioned, you know, how you use contextual AI, you know, really to understand, um, you know, what that specific word uh, in the context um, of sentiments uh, of, you know, the confirmation uh, biases in the environment to really increase the accuracy of, um, of judgment uh, by the machines um, is a better technology than the keywords uh, based technologies. Really, thank you for you both to, to pile on this. Um, one thing you really make me think is, we talk about brand safety, we talk about user safety. And what is what is the relationship between between the two? And I, I kind of really want to <laughs> pick uh, David on this. You know, Lego is a brand. I'm, I'm sure, you know, your role is looking at brand safety all the time. Uh, but you have to actually advertise your brands on platforms and you really rely on the user safety on the platform to really realize the brand safety um, you desire. So, so what's your view on the real relationship brand, uh, between brand and user safety and, and how is your approach to that? Yeah, great, great question. And um, I think it's one of the biggest conundrums of the time, especially when you're sort of engaging with children and thinking about how children access technology, what platforms they access, you know, where the audiences are. But um, I think in answer to your direct answer to your question there, Tiffany, I go back to our values as a, that we have as an organization um, you know our mission statement is to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow so to be able to do that we need to make sure that the builders of tomorrow i.e the children in the world are um, having safe meaningful and very positive online experiences we, we look not only very carefully at the platforms that we use and choose some to use and others not to use um, but we also try and go one step further because ultimately if we are uh, in the business of providing and supporting um, really engaging and, and safe um, both child and brand safe interactions, then it's about sort of fostering and developing communities online that, that are safe for children. So one of the things that we do sort of over and above the technology or over and above assessing platforms um, is actually invest in trying to help educate or help families talk to their children about online safety because at one end of the spectrum, you can kind of try and stop bad things happening with bad actors or, or don't um, show up as a brand on some of the platforms that, that you don't necessarily, um, doesn't necessarily fit your safety profile. But at the other end of the spectrum, we also believe that we have a responsibility as one of the, the leading brands in the world to make sure that um, we can play our part in equipping children with the, the, the tools and the techniques that they have themselves to, to be able to, to navigate uh, online safely. Yeah, could I could I build on that? Because from an agency point of view, I think there's really two key things we're seeing working right now. And it is in this area of the consumer safety being put at the forefront of the campaign as opposed to brand safety, because everything has to start with the consumer. And so that's that's quite a you know considerable resource needs to be put in from an agency's point of view. And that's why we have media ethicists at Dentsu, because we need to really understand consumer safety protocols um, and really sift through the partners. And that's the second thing we're seeing working is rather than reacting to any brand safety issues that come up, we're, we're out there ahead of it. We're planning for the future, um, making sure that 
we're putting ourselves in a, and, our, and our clients' brands in a position where they're not going to uh, be in those, you know, uh, control everything, but we're trying to severely decrease any chance of that. So I know, for example, um, we work with a partner called Open Slate, um, and they look through daily um, every channel that we could possibly put our clients' advertising onto. And so recently we looked at YouTube Select and we decided of the 76,121 channels that 1,449 weren't suitable for Dentsu's, you know, they're not compatible with our safety and suitability standards. So that happening on a daily basis is getting out there in front. So when uh, things arise, you've done your very best to make sure that uh, you've, you've focused on the right things, you know, and your, your, your advertising is not um, meeting those standards, whether it's sexually suggestive or for excessive profanity or whatever it is that's in our, in our, um, on our set of standards there. Thank you so much, Angela. I, I love uh, what you just beautifully put out there is the consumer, which is actually stands uh, between these two circles, the brand and the, and the user safety. And, the, you know, as an agency, um, I don't know, the, uh, for the audience um, and the panelists, I think you might be familiar with this huge Lumascape for the marketing and the ad attack between the brand to the platforms, there are gazillion of players in between, ready to connect the dots. Um, it is really hard. Um, so, 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 come, you know, coming to this topic of uh, difficulty, I want to talk a little bit about the ROI of safety tech. Uh, obviously, it's the right thing to do. Um, people on this panel all want to push this agenda forward. We also know in organizations how hard it is to. Uh, you know, align with other stakeholders and always come down to the bottom top line. So we know it is hard, but let's take a step back. If today you're going to be at the architect um, or the mastermind to say what need to be factored into the ROI calculation of investing in safety tech, what do this panel, uh, what does this panel um, think about what are the factors we should put into the ROI calculation for safety tech? So I'm, I'm happy to sort of dive into that one, but with a slightly cheeky answer to your question there, Tiffany, I think um, certainly from our perspective, you know, if we continue the theme that we we're just talking about there, sort of child and, and youth safety, that for us is priceless. So, you know, we don't engage in a, a cost-based exercise trying to sort of figure out, well, what's the sort of break even for, for, for child safety for us, you know? one child being exposed to something that is completely inappropriate because of what we've done as a brand is one child too many. So I, I think, you know, we, we tend to flip it around and rather than thinking about the return on um, safety, we need to make sure that that child safety there is almost like table stakes for us to actually do anything. But then we start to look at um, how can we use safety as almost like an enabler to develop the, the future apps, platforms, and engage, online engagements that we would have for children. So we look at it from that slightly different perspective rather than sort of what's the cost of the safety, but it's more how can we sort of engage in the, the, the most safe way for children and how can that safety enable the positive experiences that kids can have online that, the, that we want them to have with our brand. If I could pile on there, um, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with uh, David's sentiment there. Um, you know, I think asking ROI on safety, it's an interesting question, but but it's, it's similar to the question of like, what's the ROI on being able to sleep at night, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's infinite, um, you know, and 
as far as the inputs that go into it, um, the inputs would be brand, it would be reputation, it would be company culture, uh, it would be, be your own personal values. Um, you know, I, my approach is I, I really could care less if there's a financial return to shareholders um, or positive ROI on safety investments. Uh, it, I think putting it as table stakes um, is the right way to put it. Um, I think anyone who is in this business um, has a moral imperative to invest um, in, in, in to, to, to ask themselves how people might misuse their products and to invest in ways to try to prevent that. And I do think that it's an interesting question to ask it that way because, um, you know, I think that what entrepreneurs are essentially and what companies are generally doing is, um, you know, they, they, they create these, these innovations and they put them into the world and people are forced to react to them. And that becomes the new, you know, standard in the ecosystem. Um, and at the same time, as, as they do those things, they create negative externalities, right? Um, where um, some of these were mentioned, distraction, um, you know, mass distraction, uh, more harmful uh, behaviors as well. And that's kind of like the, the modern day smokestack, you know, these companies spew out these, these, these negative externalities and being aware of what negative uh, interactions are possible um, or what negative behaviors you might be contributing to is uh, the first step to then asking yourself, well, how can, um, how can I prevent that? And, you know, what investments do I have to make um, in technologies to prevent that? And so I think, that, that's how that's how we we think about it. I, I wouldn't ask, um, and and I think where it gets why the question is interesting because often I think fiduciary duty has been misunderstood to um, essentially mean shareholder return um, when uh, that is that is missing uh, a lot of <laughs> very important constituencies um, like society, uh, employees, and so forth. From an agency point of view, our clients, you know, they they and trust us with their budgets and we put these campaigns out and we're asked to report back on the ROI based on things like click-through rate, on return on ad spend, on last touch attribution. And if we just follow that through as, as the set of KPIs, we're obviously gonna end up with a negative ROI on brand safety. And um, it's kind of inevitable if you're just purely focused on those kind of uh, engagement or, or sales goals. And so I think that, you know, at Dentsu we talk about not just return on brand safety, but actually it's return on trust. Um, and I think trust and consumer trust in what we're doing is, is the key thing here. And how do you actually measure that? Um, that's, that will take an industry shift because it's the ecosystem that's, that's, uh, that we need to affect here. The digital landscape, the internet, is so much more than us as advertisers and, and our clients. And I think, um, I love the fact that this panel covers, and you put together a group of people, Tiffany, who you know, covers the spectrum of the industry. We have to come together um, to make those changes to the ecosystem. I agree with everything that uh, that everyone said so far. Uh, I'll add a slightly different uh, uh, point of view as well uh, to the conversation, uh, which is around uh, an initiative that we've been talking about uh, a good bit last year called New Saves Lives, right? And how uh, a lot of brands look at uh, look at uh, their uh, budgets and look at where they're showing up, not just from the point of view of their own brand safety, but also from the point of view of uh, their values and how uh, uh, they do want to support uh, the news media. I mean, uh, news is definitely uh, one of those 
uh, uh, area that is under a lot of pressure right now and uh, a lot of the uh, um, pushback that we see on social media does uh, does impact the trust that people have in news. And so uh, uh, the brands do want to make sure that we don't lose sight of the fact that uh, um, uh, uh, news is some, is something that uh, needs to be supported. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that uh, they would want to show up in every uh, 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 every piece of content that claims to be news or anything of that sort. But it does mean that uh, they're uh, looking at it from the point of view of, okay, uh, let's make sure that we really understand what kind of content is out there and who the who the publishers are and really understand where they're showing up and uh, and make sure that they support the right uh, uh, right entities. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It was definitely a provoking and devil's advocate question. And what I really love uh, among all the answers is that if we take the KPIs and the way we think of ROI to calculate on safety, um, as Angela said, it will be negative. However, um, as both you know, David, um, Jeff mentioned that the, the moral imperative or the new baseline or the new de facto for the future should be different. Um, and the ROI um, on safety um, should not be the question, but more for the future generation of the platforms, how you use the speed to trust to build a real moral ethical platform that 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 is engaging um, and sustainable is the right question to to ask. You know, thank you so much for this wonderful panel uh, coming together to build this future for all of us. Um, with that, I do want to move to the wrap up uh, section for each of the panelists to to to, to leave uh, your summary and the advice that you want our audience to take away from this panel. Jeff, you want. Sure, I'm happy to jump in. Um, you know, I think um, a takeaway is, um, you know, safety is not a zero sum game. Um, companies should be collaborating on safety, sharing practices, um, maybe uh, sharing even more than that, um, and and not seeing as it as a differentiator, a way to gain market share. Um, you know, I, I don't think every app or every property should have to solve um, safety problems individually and in a silo. I think it, it will take an ecosystem. Uh, it will take a, a basic plumbing layer of safety um, that has to get built out. And that is built, being built out by a number of com companies of which one is Spectrum. Um, and I think that among that, in order to build that plumbing out, it, it really does include the biggest gatekeepers. So the biggest companies on earth, the trillion dollar market cap companies that have the most information on the end user, that own the platforms, that have you know, biometric scans or fingerprint scans just to use the device. You know, it would be very relevant to know if a person on that device is a registered sex offender or if they've had violence against women claims against them uh, or if they're under 18. Um, information like that, um, could also be gleaned by each individual company in the ecosystem uh, asking for a picture ID and a biometric scan, but that that can't be the solution. It's not optimal, uh, not not certainly for um, society. So yeah, my takeaway would be uh, it's not a zero sum game. Uh, industry should be collaborating more um, and asking how we can share uh, information, practices and data um, to make uh, users safer. Thank you, Jeff. So uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a repeat of what I've said uh, earlier. Uh, there are a number of solutions for various companies uh, that you know, from various companies that aid in brand safety. Uh, from but from uh, industry point of view, something that I think is uh, uh, relevant to everyone 
uh, and, and really regardless of what perspective you're coming from, uh, whether it's a brand, an agency, a, a publisher, or, or what have you, uh, I think the key part uh, uh, that I definitely advocate is transparency, right? So, uh, and what I mean by that are, are a couple of things, like, uh, you know, having that consistent language to describe content, having transparency on who you're working with. Uh, uh, th th these are things which, uh, uh, have been a little lost uh, or over time, I think, and now is getting more and more important to uh, address both brand safety and ad fraud, for that matter. Just being having a clear uh, understanding of uh, uh, of all the people that you're doing business with. So, uh, I highly recommend that everyone uh, make sure that we you know, ad advocate for uh, for for those kind of things. Obviously, I'm tying it to standards, but in general, I think that's uh, very true as well. So, so just <clears throat> jumping in there, I think sort of trying to put together some of the things that we've been talking about here together and also the perspectives that certainly we have as a as a business and an organization. Um, there are a couple of things that, that I've just been reflecting on. I think the first is we shouldn't forget the massive opportunities that, that are out there for technological development, for online engagement, for consumers engaging with um platforms you know the the internet and its continued evolution is going to continue to sort of throw up loads and loads of really fabulous opportunities not only for sort of children but also for adults and for society at large um but i think as a brand and a, as a business you just have to go back and ask yourself okay who is it that i'm serving what's really really important to them and what are the values that i have as a brand and use that to define your non-negotiables um and then from there that gives you the platform for which to, to um, attack the opportunities that, that are undoubtedly there. For me, I, I was told that this is a, a panel aimed at CMOs and CEOs. I was thinking, wow, I'd love to think that when we are looking in the future that CMOs and CEOs weren't researching and listening about brand safety. It was actually a core part of their role. Um, and that's because um, I think that, you know, they, they really understand that this is a, uh, they understand the link between um, where, where you're advertising and the brand and consumers are there. And so getting buy-in top down from a company, I think it's really important um, and making sure it works right across the organizations, not sitting in a marketing silo is part of corporate strategy. So I guess what I would like to take out as, as it is, is imploring the CEOs uh, of companies to make sure that you know that your ad dollars are funding content so create a policy so you know it acknowledges that your brand has responsibility in this landscape um, and then use that as a framework um, to to guide your overall sort of you know uh, advertising media uh, buying strategy um, so really understand where your ads are running um, and as much as possible about the creators that then take that investment and turn it into more content because societal and media landscapes changing so rapidly make sure you're on top of that that's something that every quarter should not go by without you uh, without you addressing that and reviewing it so yeah keep, keep, make it a really uh, a core part of your corporate strategy and keep on it adding to what angela said um at oasis consortium the five values just says we would have values uh, for a corporation we should have values also for the industry and oasis then stands for o as openness uh, one size doesn't fit or let's just do de-risk profile analysis to understand where we are today and what measures we need to take today for the future. Accountability is exactly what um, Angela mentioned. Um, 
when five people own something, nobody owns it. Let's make sure somebody has that um, uh, for the ownership uh, for this topic. Security is as to um, data and um, identity protection. I is innovation, all about safety tech, how we actually include technology to help, hum help humans um, to really create this moral imperative and the sustainability. I hope this is not one-time talk from this panel. This is something which will write our um, next decade, um, if not decades. So, so uh, with that, thank you so much um, for every panelist to join this um, roundtable. We have uh, time for one question from the audience. So the question we got is how we measure um, how we measure the trust and improvements in trust. I think it's related to what Emma said, you know, let's create a transparency. Um, I'm, I'm quite happy to lean into that one first and see if we can kick, kick start the discussion. I think there's obviously sort of, you know, market research ways that you can measure trust in a brand. And, you know, there are a whole bunch of reputation surveys out there. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to be working for a brand that generally features right at the top of those kind of tables. I think that the but the way I would sort of think about that question, it's 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 less about how should we be measuring trust? But if you lose trust, what could the potential knock-on impact be for your business? Because I think trust is something that we were talking about earlier. It takes a long time to build up and it can be lost very, very quickly, especially in the in, in the online space. So I would sort of leave with the reflection of it's less about sort of measuring how trusted your brand is. It's more around thinking about if I lose the level of trust that I've built up over time, how detrimental can that be to my business? Yeah, I, I would jump in on, on, on that and, and say, you know, I think cl clearly every business is is different. Um, and, you know, I think you, you have to be aware of what the negative behaviors are that are associated with the use of your product. Um, and um, almost every product will have some because you, people um, can use even uh, any widget in, in, in a negative way. Um, and then and there'll be uh, people like spammers or scammers who who seek to exploit um, people maybe through products or through through your brand, and so um, you have to be aware of what those are, and then you have to instrument how you would determine that. In a simple case like spam, um, you can, for example, look at things like the number of people um, citing spam when they're deleting their account or. App Store reviews containing the word spam, and and you can see if, um, or or through um, random samplings um, and uh, of, of of chats to look for um, spam and and trying to determine a rate. So it, it, the instrumentation of safety is actually quite important, and uh, you know we've we've built out some pretty comprehensive uh, dashboards that are aimed at trying to uh, understand things like how, how long does uh, a report abuse take for uh, a human moderator to see it? And can we keep that under 60 seconds? Um, you know, so, so th things of, of that nature, it'll, it'll of course depend on the, the nature of the company, but I think it starts with awareness. It starts with def defining what are some of the, the negative behaviors and then trying to measure them uh, and reduce them. Thank you so much. We are about on time. So I'm so glad we started with brand protection through user safety and we end up on building ethical and sustainable brands through user safety. So thank you for all the panelists' contributions to this roundtable. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.